0: Welcome to Mental Health is Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Wilbon. Today, we will be discussing how to spot a good therapist. Welcome to Mental Health is Wealth. I'm your host, Antoine Wilbon, And today we're going to talk about how to spot a good therapist. The thing that I always want to people to think about is that take the stigmas around therapy and just throw them away throw them in the garbage get rid of them because therapy is no different than going to your doctor it's no different than going to see someone to help you fix your car mental health is is a primary component as a human function outside of our bodies working properly the mind controls A lot of what we do. And I think that we have to normalize that there's nothing wrong with having someone to talk to. You know, me personally, I think that everyone should get counseling every one to two years. I think you should go in and just maybe get a few sessions to kind of check and see where you're at. If you've gone through like some hardships, such as maybe you moved, someone passed away in your family. You've accomplished a goal that took a lot of effort out of you. It's okay to go and talk to someone for a few sessions just to see where you're at. A lot of times we go through life changes, developmental changes. As we age, we change. And, and it's okay to actually sit down and talk to someone about where you're at in your life. And that that is perfectly natural. It's it's actually smart to do because a lot of times you can you can get someone who's helping you that can be objective and and talk to you about your life. The thing that I always tell people is that when you're picking out a therapist and you're looking for a therapist, think about what you're trying to accomplish. The thing is, is that are you going for marital issues? Are you going for depression? Are you going to learn how to be uh, more open? Do you have some sort of phobia of something? So, Going into that, knowing what you want to do, and then also the type of therapist that you're looking for is what's their specialty. There are a few that basic therapists use is that there's uh, certain specialties, techniques that therapists use, but all of them don't use the same thing. So there's cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a a short-term approach to mental health treatment it's similar to behavioral therapy, but it also addresses unhelpful thought patterns or problematic thoughts. The ideal behind cognitive behavioral therapy is that certain feelings or beliefs you may have about yourself or situations in your life can lead to distress. The other form of therapy specialties that is that's used, modalities that's used is behavioral therapy. It's a focused, action-oriented approach to mental health treatment. According to behavior theory, certain behaviors develop from things you've learned in your past. Some of these behaviors might affect your life negatively or cause distress. Behavior therapy can help you change your behavioral responses. Then the other one that's, that's used a lot is the psychodynamic therapy. Psychodynamic therapy developed from psychoanalysis, a long-term approach to mental health treatment. The psychoanalysis, you can expect to talk about anything on your mind to uncover patterns and thoughts or behavior that might be contributing to distress. It's also common to talk about your childhood and past, along with recurring dreams or fantasies you might have. So certain therapists use different type of modalities, and it's always good to ask the therapist, what do you use and how does it fit your goal? And, and if that's a fit, and you can actually gauge how long you'll be in therapy based off your motivation, the therapist's modalities, and then also how much effort you're putting into those sessions. If you're going into it, willingness and wanting to work hard and wanting to work with the therapist, and doing your homework when you leave the office, because that's the biggest part, is being vulnerable, and then also doing the work outside of the actual therapy sessions, because the the work is on you, not the therapist. They're just a guide. The thing that I always ask people, and I know it's a little intrusive, it may feel that way when, you're, when you ask this question, is ask your therapist if they get therapy. I, as a a CEO and an owner of a mental health organization, I always promote that therapists should get therapy. There's no way that you can help process all of these different things that people bring to you, energy, spiritual energy, secondhand trauma that you're hearing about. I think that it's good that someone who is providing therapy should get therapy. I think you should. They should also get receive supervision so that they know that they're leading the client in the right direction. They're also staying on on task with their treatment modalities, and then they're also getting that energy off of them so that they can stay on top of their game when they're servicing their clients. So those are some things that that I always say people should look for when they're looking for a therapist. And then the other thing is that what is a good therapist what what is good therapy what what does that look like so a lot of times you know i've seen in the past where people start to look at their therapist as their friend and a therapist is not your friend there there are several differences between friendship and therapy first you may have multiple relationships with your friends you can go into business with them borrow money from them have sex with them With your therapist, you can only do therapy. Your therapist may be friendly, but he or she is not your friend. If your therapist is your friend, then he or she is not your therapist. Second, friendship does not need to have plan, goal, or purpose be on its own existence. You can hang out with your friends for no good reason other than just to enjoy it Or use it or have nothing better to do. You don't hang out with your therapist. Therapy is purposeful, pragmatic, moving deliberately toward one or more mutually negotiated goals. Therapy is an end in itself. Third, you and your friends have a mutual equal claim on your encounter. Your interests, needs, and concerns are as important as your friends' concerns and issues. Therapy is not like that. By design, it's one-sided. It's about the client. Every action of the therapist can legitimately be directed toward one goal, helping the client. The therapist cannot use the therapy time or the therapeutic relation to take care of their own needs. If your therapist uses therapy time for any purpose other than help, then what they're doing is not good therapy. Two, good therapy is evidence-based. Good therapy involves keeping records into patterns, generating hypotheses, and testing them. Good therapy is responsive to new knowledge. It admits and corrects its mistakes, while good therapy seeks to foster hope and nourish the expectation of change, it promises and tether to facts. If your therapist guarantees success or promises change in your personality, walk away. No one can guarantee that you're going to be successful or things are going to be different with you because It depends on the person. It also depends on the work that you have. And some things could be genetic. So you have to be careful if someone gives you this this like guarantee that they can do something. There is an art to good therapy since it's intentional human encounter and as such is inherently dynamic, creative and unique. But the art of good therapy must align with science in the way that the architectural design must align with principles of sound engineering. What the therapist suggests to the client, the course of action, explanations, and intervention should be based on scientific research. To the extent that such research exists, good therapy does not contradict or ignore sound scientific data, knowledge, or evidence. Good therapy recognizes the simple truth, simple yet not easy, that the evidence wins out in the end. So the thing is, is that every therapist goes to school, you go to college, you go to grad school, you get your Ph.D. or you get your master's. And you're constantly learning new modalities as the world evolves, as situations evolves, as people evolve we gather new information because science is never ending in studying the mind and so we have to also bring those things into account of like things that that don't work the diagnosis codes change things change medication changes so we have to always be on top of that third good therapy affirms the client's basic human dignity and worth good therapy looks to facilitate sound mental health Mental health, however, is not a destination, not an end in itself, not a place you arrive at, pearly gate style, to be ushered into bliss. Rather, mental health is a process you adopt and use in in the pursuit of your chosen goal. In other words, mental health is your driving skill, not the destination to your trip. The therapist, therefore, is not a chauffeur, but a driving instructor. So the the therapy that you're involved in, it basically gives you a roadmap, a guideline to get to where you're you're going. It gives you tools. It allows you to be able to fall back on these tools. I know for me, I always use a technique that I learned in landmark education uh, form is that I learn to take my past out of my present. I'm constantly cleaning, cleaning my mind, cleaning my energy about going back in the past and putting it into my my present. Because what happens is that when I constantly keep looking back at past traumas, disappointments, or patterns that I did when I was younger or things that didn't go right, and I put it into my present, I wound up living in the past, which brings about me creating something not going well for me, or it dismantles relationships, or it causes me not to be vulnerable. So my thing is that I'm always constantly saying, where is this coming from, and am I living in the past? And so being present is something that I'm constantly always trying to do and not under-evaluating something or over-evaluating something. I try to stay as true to reality as I possibly can. And I'd be honest with myself about that. And that's a, that's a constant. So you never, you're never going to be like this guru at it. You get better and better, but the thing is is that you always have to keep doing it. It's it's almost like a daily maintenance that you must do. And and of course you do get better at it, but there's no like I like I said before, there's no like you you reach this higher plane of existence and you start floating off the ground. You're going to constantly have to work work. The work may not be as difficult when you get going, but you still have to do the work. Fourth, good therapy encourages and models accurate, honest, and timely feedback and communication. Video games are hugely popular. One reason is that people who play a lot lot can improve a lot. They improve because the video game environment provides timely, consistent, unflinching, and accurate feedback. You kill the bad guy, you move to the next level. The bad guy kills you, you repeat the level. Likewise clients improve when they receive timely, accurate feedback in therapy. Many of our encounters with people outside of the therapy room are mannered, circumspect, and shallow. Many are touched by deceit or plagued by inattention. Our communications in the world often seek to obscure rather than reveal our true intents. To avoid the truth rather than confront it, we are often afraid to say what we truly feel and think. Afraid to hurt and be hurt. Afraid that our secrets will leak out and be used against us. Truth may set us free, but more than we want to be free. We want to belong and get along because that's how we survive and keep safe. What is the right to privacy, if not the right to withhold truth, to maintain a distance between how we present ourselves and how we are, to keep our truths to ourselves? Out there in social world, truth can be dangerous. Truth is safe in in good therapy. Therapy creates a space that invites, expects, and is quite purposely designed For frank probing and revealing dialogue, it's safe. It's a safe space for clients to express themselves honestly, get to understand their true feelings, and work with the therapist to figure out how to use that information in their journey towards healing. The thing that I've always, you know, and I I can be super transparent about myself is that when I learned how to be vulnerable and to work on like childhood traumas, disappointments. And I started to stop caring what people thought of me as much. And I started to think about what I think about myself. And I thought about how to be truthful with people, but I had to learn how to develop a filter of truth. Because you can say something a certain way, And you can hurt or damage a relationship, but you also can say the same thing in a pleasant way or a, I would say, a more appetizing way or or a way that's able to reach that person without damaging the relationship. Now, there may be discomfort in that message because it might be discomfort in you receiving the information from that person or you giving that information. But I think that that is a major key in therapy is that learning how to be honest with yourself and honest with other people. Therapy does allow you to get honest feedback. You're not going to have very many relationships in your life, where people will tell you the honest truth about a circumstance. When you get people like that, people that are truly honest and outspoken and they have a good filter, they tend to have, I call them good relationships, but people tend to give that person a lot of space. So you have to work on receiving honesty, but also creating an honest environment around yourself also. But therapy does allow that, and if, and if that's a good therapist, they're going to always give you dialogue, they're going to be truthful, and they're not going to like hold back because they think that you can't handle it. They'll know how to filter the information to you based off your level of understanding and emotional stability. So number six good therapy encourages the client's independence and competence. If the therapy process is not moving in the direction of improving client resilience, independence, decision-making, and life competence, then therapy is not taking place. If your admiration for the therapist rises in tandem with your self-doubt, then you're probably not in good therapy. A good sign of therapy at the brink of failure or therapy that is not legitimate is when your dependence on the therapist increases over time. Therapy is not about handing out solutions to problems. It's about teaching the client to to problem solve. So a lot of times I've seen, even in my my own practice of, of, of Archangel Services, is that I've seen people develop these relationships with their clients where the client is now using the therapist as a weekly venting session or a crutch the thing is that you're a therapist but if you want to put it in a sports analogy you're a coach getting your client ready for the next level so if your client is in high school you're getting them ready for college and if they're college you're getting them ready for the pros And so you're constantly helping that client develop their skill set so that they can move on to the next level. Therapy is not a hangout spot. It's a spot that gets you. It's a launching point It's to get you ready for life. And so a lot of times therapists have to be careful with having those type of relationships with their clients where they become like a rest haven or this this like comfort zone. They have to learn these skill sets and go out and use them in the world to create that dynamic in their own life, of of having those those supportive relationships and, and being ready to deal with life. Number eight, good therapy happens when the client does the work. Like parents do with their children, therapists tend to take too much credit for their client's success and too much blame for their failure. In fact, both parents and therapists are less powerful than than they and the world believe they are. Client factors such as hope, motivation, resources, social support, grit, account for far more than the therapist's ability and characteristics in determining the therapy's outcome. The client's experience of the therapy also matters more than the objective measurement of therapy ingredients. All therapy, in a fundamental sense, is self-therapy. If therapy is to work for the client, the client has to work for the therapy. As the old joke goes, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Answer, two or three, but the light bulb has to want to change. And yes, humor belongs in good therapy. Lastly, the last point I wanted to make about about this is that, like I said earlier, is that you have to do the work. No matter who you go to, whether you go to a fitness instructor, whether you go to a minister, whether you go to someone who's a dietician or whatever you go into, the effort also belongs to the actual person receiving the therapy. You have to do the work and you have to be motivated to want to be better or to change your circumstances or to reach that goal. The, therapy, the therapist can't do that for you. You have to do that work. So that's 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 a big, big contributing factor. Lastly, good therapy offers support, requires learning, and facilitates action. Good therapy engages clients on multiple levels. It involves client's emotions, and behavior. Often the effort in therapy will focus first on the understanding of the client, establishing alliance, and becoming aware of the client's inner architecture, life circumstances, and personal narrative. Then good therapy will also facilitate learning, new insights, new ways of thinking, communicating with others, and managing Finally, good therapy includes a focus on the client's actions in the world practicing new skills, adapting new habits and new ways of moving in the world and the, the thing with with therapy is that it's always good to have like that support system in trying something new sometimes when you're indoctrinated in certain things that your family does is that, you do things like how your mother did it or your father did it or your aunt or your, your grandmother, your grandfather, or or how the family has been existing for generations. You know, there are families that they don't say they're sorry or they don't communicate. They just, hey, let's go watch a TV show together. And that's their way of like forgiving each other or just coming back together. And that may not work for you. Maybe maybe you like to have discussions about things and, and come to an understanding so you won't have to experience that discomfort or that disruption in their relationship again. Or you can figure out a new way to, to be. Because the new skills that you learn and the support not only just affects that situation that you're dealing with, it also helps you in other parts of your life, like being a good parent, being a good co-worker, being a good business owner, or not being afraid to go after goals and get hit in the mouth and still keep going for it because you have skills to be able to process that upset or that disruption of not getting what you want when you go for it. So I would always say that, you know, just take all these things that that was discussed in this podcast today about looking for therapy as a way to use it as a tool to help you get to where you want to be in life or just to kind of see where you're at. Sometimes it's, you may not have a a, a upset or a disruption in your life. You might just want to just go in to check and see where you're at. Or a lot of times it's good to just have somebody to talk to. Like for me, I always say, I go from going to therapy every other year. And then I also will hire a life coach. So I'll go therapist, then I'll go life coach. I'll do maybe 12 sessions with a life coach. And I'll discuss like, well, what, what what am I trying to do with, with my life and how do I structure it? And I might do a life coach where I might do business and personal and I might separate the two and I might have these outlines of like what I want to do. And I basically put it in a, a folder outline and I actually work those things for the year. And as I get to these milestones or I get to these like blocks, like there's a lot of times when I'm going for my goals, or I'm dealing with like some emotional things that I need to like deal with, I'll fall back on the therapy that I was given and the tools that I learned in therapy, but then I also apply them to my goals. So a lot of times people will stop doing something if it causes them pain or discomfort, or they can't figure it out. I always say, set your goals but also work on your spirit, work on your mind. I want to thank you for joining the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and hopefully I'll catch you again. Thank you.